0: to Conspiracy Club, I'm Tom. And I am Emir. This week, we are looking to the stars, or at least talking about when the stars look to us. That's a confusing way of saying this episode uh, is going to be about aliens and their early interactions with human life. Or at least their early popular interactions, because maybe they built the pyramids, you know?
1: Yeah, or, you know, they... I don't know, created Nike, something
0: like that. They might have done that. It definitely wasn't Nazis.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Now, mainstream scientists reject claims that such paranormal phenomena occur as reported, and due to a lack of objective physical evidence, most scientists and mental health professionals dismiss the events as deception, suggestibility, personality, sleep paralysis, psychodynamics, and environmental factors. Though claims are rejected, it is often clear that the abductees believe that they are real.
1: So they think that it's just because you're sleeping or something like that that you're like, Whoa, I think that's fucking, I think there was a, an alien or some shit, dude.
0: Or, yeah, or you are very suggestible so someone can convince you that something happened, that it didn't happen. Okay. Or some stuff like stress can really cause you to kind of lose a gasket
1: lose a gasket. That's such a freaky thing to say.
0: In a report from the Harvard University Gazette in 1992, Dr. John E. Mack reported that of the 60 cases of claimed abductees he'd worked on, quote, no psychiatric or psychosocial explanation for these reports is evident. These people are not mentally ill. He has spent countless hours with these individuals only to find out what struck him was the ordinariness of the population. The majority of abductees do not appear to be deluded, confabulating, lying, self-dramatizing, or suffering from a clear mental illness, end quote.
1: So he just, they're kind of like, maybe they just are remembering things wrong or something like that, I don't know.
0: Yeah, so for the most part, these people are like healthy state of mind, except for the fact that they believe they were abducted. So it, they're not like lunatics that are raving about something. It actually seems like they believe it happened.
1: Okay, I can see that.
0: Additionally, such reports from alleged abductees can be very detailed and has led to a substantial subculture involving support groups, detailing of types of aliens, as well as their roles, origins, and motivations. These claims rose to prominence in the 1950s and 1960s, but some believe reports can date back even further. There are two early cases that are considered to bring life to this subculture, and that is what we will be talking about today.
1: Okay i like the very detailed ones i don't want no bullshit like roswell
0: okay so this yeah so this second one see roswell's different because that wasn't abduction that was just a potential crash landing of an alien craft why'd
1: you say that so hard like that
0: crash landing i had a stroke
1: yeah well i could tell you've definitely had some before (laughs)
0: Here's the thing, is that in my day-to-day life, I can't speak, so whenever I have to speak on the mic, it's even worse.
1: (laughs) And then you also can't read, so it's really hard.
0: Yeah, I'm illiterate, so it's really difficult. I'm kind of just guessing. I I get it. I understand you. But anyways, the first one is kind of detailed, and the second one is incredibly detailed.
1: Okay, I'm
0: all down for that. I don't like it when it's like,
1: Well, you know, I think it was aliens, but it could have just been, you know... Barney dropped down and said, what up, folk?
0: Now, these people have pretty fleshed out stories. Okay. The first of which is Antonio Villas Boas. Antonio was a Brazilian farmer and lawyer who claimed to have been abducted by extraterrestrials in 1957. At this time, Antonio was 23 and a farmer. On October sixteenth, nineteen 1957, Antonio was plowing the field near São Francisco de Sales, at night to avoid the sweltering daytime temperature when he saw a red star in the night sky. This star approached his position and upon proper sight of the object, Antonio described it as a roughly circular or egg-shaped aerial craft with a red light at its front and a rotating dome on top. The craft landed in the field, extending three legs. Antonio began to flee the scene, first by tractor, which died without making it very far, and then by foot. This proved unsuccessful, and Antonio was seized by a five-foot-tall humanoid wearing gray overalls and a helmet. Its eyes were small and blue, and instead of speech, it made noises like barks or yelps. Three more beings aided in subduing Antonio and taking them to their ship.
1: Oh, fuck off. You don't buy this? I don't buy the barks. I hate how we just think aliens can't fucking speak.
0: Yeah. So the, the the next group, they do kind of speak.
1: All right, like they'll have some
0: type of language. They're not gonna be. They can communicate with the next one. They can communicate clearly with uh with the family. Yeah,
1: like I don't picture like a like aliens going
0: like that. And I think that's how they talk in like Mars Attacks and shit too. They go. <laughs> Well, that's, no, imagine a high-pitch, you, you sound like high-pitched Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> that's what I'm picturing it as, I'm picturing it as them going, ah! you know? Like. No, it's it's less like that, imagine like a yip. Yee, like that? That's not a yip, that's a yee. <laughs> yee, yee. Are they Trump voters?
1: Bing, bing, I love it. Oh. <laughs> They go yee yee as they <laughs> they pick up.
0: their are yee yee boys.
1: Is that what they do? Yeah, that's what it looks like.
0: Well, if you thought you didn't believe that, you're gonna really love what's to come. All right. Oh, that's a that's a that's a pun for you. You'll see you later on. Hope someone comes in this story. Once inside, Antonio was stripped of his clothes and covered in a strange gel and then led to a large semicircular room through a doorway that had odd red symbols written over it. Antonio was able to memorize these and recreate them for investigators. The aliens took blood samples from his chin, and then he was taken to a third room, and left alone for 30 minutes. While in the third room, a gas was pumped into the room, which made Antonio ill.
1: I'm not even going to make the joke that could be made for this gas thing, but, um... Why would they take blood from his chin?
0: Because they don't understand human anatomy, maybe?
1: Come on, man.
0: (laughs) That's my guess. That is
1: so... It doesn't even look like it has enough... Like, I could understand they said arm, because I'm like, alright, it's a lot... He he must have had a long chin, Where they were like, (laughs) meh. This looks like there's a lot of blood in this. It's the crimson chin, actually. He he has to be. He has to be. They're like, there's a lot of blood in this arm. I mean, in this chin. (laughs) We can do it here. Like, this just makes, this sounds wild.
0: Following this, Antonio was joined in the room by another humanoid, an attractive, naked female. She was the same height as the others, with a small, pointed chin and large, blue, cat-like eyes. She had long, white hair on her head, but her underarm and pubic hair were bright red. Antonio claimed he was very attracted to her, and the two had sex. During intercourse, Antonio noted that she did not kiss him, but instead nipped him on the chin. When all was said and done, she smiled at Antonio while rubbing her belly and gesturing upwards. The female also seemed relieved to have completed the act, which angered Antonio. Wait, wait. Why would
1: he be? Why would he be mad that she was relieved?
0: Well, relieved, and she's like, "Oh, I got that over with." he's like, oh, you know wasn't good enough for you? Oh, wait, wait, wait. What, do you, what do you think they were going to, like, date afterwards? Wait, maybe he, maybe he was like, oh, she didn't enjoy it. She didn't want to do that. That's weird. And I'm upset by it.
1: She just wanted to get her nut off, probably. Or get a well, nut in her.
0: She ru- she rubbed, yeah, she rubbed her stomach, but I guess with the idea, and pointed it upwards. for I guess with the idea that she was going to create some kind of interspecies life.
1: If you know Antonio might have just helped us out, he could have just saved us from a
0: big problem. Do you ever think it's weird? It's like, what if aliens landed and the first thing they saw was not a human, it was like a dog, and they were like, "This is what Earth, life on Earth is." That would be great. But also, uh, are we gonna
1: are we gonna ask some real questions?
0: What are well, the real questions?
1: What the alien pussy
0: like? <laughs> <laughs> Also, she has different eyes than everybody else, and different hair. Maybe the women in. But also, he's like, he's like, well, this is an alien. But I tell you what, I'm in. <laughs> maybe alien,
1: like the feet, the the women
0: alien bodies are different from the male ones, just
1: like in the human realm.
0: Yeah, maybe. I love how she. I guess he seemed to enjoy it because oh, he did... she was with child, <laughs> and he got it up. But also.
1: When she nipped him on the chin, like, does he mean, like, she kind of bit his chin, or...
0: I get, I get, yeah, I guess so. I guess that, that would also connect to the blood sampling thing. So, it's, like, the chin, the
1: mouth over there?
0: Maybe it's, like, yeah, maybe their chin is, like, a very vulnerable spot of their body. He should have tried it. To try to do it back. Maybe she wouldn't have been so relieved to have it maybe be over.
1: Maybe she'd have been, like, ooh, we need to bring this one with us. <laughs> or, no, she would have went, ah! <laughs> and then the guy would have been alright let's bring this guy up he's coming with us he knows how to get some 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 good sex he knows how to
0: get his east on yeah he knows how to get his yelps going (laughs) Antonio was then given his clothes back and taken on a tour of the ship he tried to steal items so he could prove his encounter was true but was caught by the aliens he was then taken off the ship and watched it take off he returned home and realized four hours had passed. I feel like the
1: fact that they gave him his clothes back and then took him on a tour of the ship is where he really lost me. Like, yeah. like what, were they, what made them go like, so imagine if he didn't try to steal the items. What if they were like, you know what, we fuck with you heavy, Antonio.
0: You can come with us, dog. What if they tra- he stopped trying to steal the items and they are like, alright, we fucking hate humans now. Yeah,
1: like, what if they were like, man, fuck you, mate. Or, man. <laughs> 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 you suck, dude. Oh, that that's kind of, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. He could have just, you know, took the tour and left. Did he see what he saw? Did he say anything when he saw on the ship? Like, did they have a shower of quarters?
0: No, he did not describe it. They have
1: TVs in there.
0: He didn't have it, he just, so he has no proof of what he had experienced. But shortly after, Antonio began suffering from nausea, weakness, headaches, and developed lesions on his skin. He contacted journalist Jose Martins and took an ad out in the newspaper, looking for other abductees. Martins contacted Dr. Alavo Fontes of the National School of Medicine of Brazil who was also in contact with the American UFO research group, APRO. Fontes examined Antonio and included that he had been exposed to a large dose of radiation from some source and was now suffering from mild radiation sickness.
1: Side note, if we can just go back for a second, I love how she was motioning up to God.
0: That's what it was. She's
1: clearly, she's clearly Christian.
0: <laughs> she's like, this is in God's hands now. Yeah, she's like look at making life. We made we just made life just like him. Exactly. She's like let
1: me let me let me let you understand this, Antonio. You may think I'm an alien, but that is not me that I'm not a god-fearing alien. <laughs> I love me some Jesus. We had the Bible on my planet <laughs> she's too. She's like I love me some Jesus. I carry me my Bibles and I and I we just did something here
0: we're married too because otherwise that'd be a sin exactly exactly
1: well maybe alien jesus is a little different maybe yeah maybe he's you know maybe he's into that maybe he's cool with that maybe he's like ah, all
0: right hey i don't care maybe he's a bit more hedonistic yeah yeah maybe
1: he's more forgiving he's
0: like hey do your thing you know but what do you make of the radiation burns and stuff that he's suffering now honestly i don't know but it's deserved so do you think it's aliens, or do you think, otherwise how would he have a radiation sickness from just working on a farm?
1: Maybe the farm is on some,
0: you know, old nuclear test site or some shit, I don't know. Well, his story saw publishing worldwide beginning in 1958, and Antonio Vilas boas stuck to it until his death. However, researcher Pete Rogerson doubts the veracity of his story noting that several months prior to Antonio's first claims, a similar story was printed in the November 1957 issue of the periodical O Cruciero, suggesting that he stole details of the account.
1: Why couldn't he just have had the same thing happen to him?
0: Yeah, maybe that would make more sense, actually, that he has a similar story happen to him. These aliens are very methodical.
1: Maybe Peter's a hayden ass motherfucker.
0: Maybe he was like, "Well, guess what? They didn't visit me, so I'm bummed. Maybe and I didn't get to have sex with an alien woman." Maybe they
1: did visit him, but he didn't get to finish.
0: But they were, but they were like, uh, "She was not even. She was like, Oh no, I'm out. You're not Antonio.'"
1: Or when they were about yeah. to do it, he couldn't get it up, so she was like, "Oh, I can't. I'm out." She pointed down,
0: down to the ground. <laughs> and she,
1: she was like, "You go hell." <laughs> She pointed at... Well, she
0: she didn't... She can't speak English, though. Oh,
1: she pointed at him, pointed down and went... <laughs> and then left the room.
0: Oh, God. And he's like, well, guess what? I, I, don't, I don't buy this. I gotta slander this dude's name. Yeah, he's like, fuck you, dude. But yeah, that was like the first real prominent story, but that's not even American. There was one story, which is the next one, which is really what kicks stuff off in terms of the UFO subculture, despite there already being A, uh, like they like you said, a UFO research group in America, and they're still known about because of stuff like Roswell. There was one story that really took off with the abductee stuff. The second story is that of Barney and Betty Hill, which really was the first widely publicized report of alien abduction in the United States.
1: I don't like that both of their names start with B's.
0: They sound like they should be a sibling. Stones. That
1: too. Wait, hold on.
0: Was... No, his name was Barney Rubble.
1: Yeah, but what was... Was one of them named Betty?
0: Yeah. Was... Uh, Was Betty... Was Barney's wife named Betty? Now I don't know, you gotta Google it.
1: Oh, I swear, I think... Betty's... uh, I think Barney's wife was named Betty. Barney... Uh, Rubble. You
0: Betty Rubble, holy shit. I told him, wait
1: a minute, dude. Come on.
0: This is before that show happened, to be fair. That's, a real, that's just a weird coincidence.
1: <laughs> so is this what they took it from? Hanna-Barbera is somewhere like, hey, hey, get him a stuff in my office real quick. I got something to discuss. So you you know about those, <clears throat> those alienos. That story of that Barney and Betty combo. I think we could... I got an idea. I think we can do something with that. What's make one of them small. And what's also make him be an asshole to a guy named Fred.
0: Alright, I'm in. And when is this set? Like, uh, uh.
1: They were talking to aliens, so let's just do in the prehistoric days. The aliens built the dinosaurs, so that fits. <laughs>
0: I got to say, Hannah, your voice is much deeper than I thought it would be.
1: Ah, cha-cha, I have a smoking problem.
0: <laughs> You're drifting further into Arnold Schwarzenegger territory.
1: Because he was secretly an alien, dude. He was the alien who learned how to speak English.
0: And he still just sometimes lets out, lets his, his primal alien nature slip out.
1: Exactly, but he covers it up by saying he has a smoking habit. <laughs> He's like, my voice sounds like this because I smoke a lot. Of ah cha cha, ah! and then they'll go like, and then they'll go, what was that? And he's like, nothing, nothing, nothing. No, that was nothing. And then he, then he grabs that picture of the female uh, alien, and one tear falls down his face, and he goes,
0: ah. <laughs> and then he just cries. The Hills lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Barney was an employee of the U.S. Postal Service, while Betty was a social worker. They were active in the local Unitarian congregation and were members of the NAACP as prominent community leaders. Barney even sat on the local board of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. In addition, Barney was an African-American, making them an interracial couple in a time when that was less common and less accepted.
1: So, once again, of course they turned... A black male interred to a white persons for the TV show. hmm Of course Flintstones would do that. They always... We can't have shit, man. How did... I would have never known that Barney was based off a black man.
0: <laughs> Is that about the dinosaur or are we still talking about Barney Rebel?
1: Barney Rubble. And then they turn to Wow. They're trying to say that black people are dinosaurs. Whoa! Wow. My third eye is opened right now. My third eye is blind. Well, I know yours is. (laughs) Mine is wide open. But alright, okay, I like this. This is. I don't think I don't know how this was able to rock though. Like, I gotta see if he got. He ain't no way he made it out of the fifties.
0: Well, this is in the 60s.
1: Wow!
0: I think it's in the 60s.
1: And he wasn't killed?
0: Yeah, it's in the 60s. Uh, no.
1: My man is ahead of his maybe
0: time. But that will that'll come around, potentially.
1: My man is ahead of his time. Oh, she ain't even cute like that, either. Did you look him up? Yeah, I found a picture of her. She's not fire.
0: Oh. He was a, He was a veteran, as well.
1: He could have did better, but a salute to them still.
0: The Hills experienced a UFO sighting on September nineteenth, nineteen sixty one, around ten thirty PM while they were driving back to Portsmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls and Montreal. Just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, Betty claimed to see a bright light in the sky that moved from below the moon and Jupiter, upward to the west of the moon. As they continued to drive, Betty felt she was seeing a star falling upwards. The light moved erratically and grew bigger and brighter, and Betty asked Barney to pull the car over so she could get a better look. Barney stopped at a picnic area just south of Twin Mountain.
1: Just like white folks always trying to see what the fuck is going on. This is. I, what... think,
0: that's a, I think that's a star falling upwards. Let's go check it out. Let's get yeah. as close as possible. See,
1: that's why you guys always get us killed in the fucking scary movies. If I was Barney, I would have said, look. I'm gonna keep driving.
0: I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. It's late, it's ten thirty PM. I wanna go home.
1: Look, if I stop this car, I'm leaving you here and I'm gone.
0: (laughs) Don't make me turn this car back around. Exactly
1: and it was the fifties too, or the sixties too? You could have been like, Look, I'm not stopping shit she'd be, Okay dear
0: (laughs) It actually I feel like they were a pretty good couple though because they were both involved together in a lot of things, so Feel like they're kind of a power couple. Yeah,
1: but this is why I would have put my foot down.
0: Yeah, well, they probably should have. You're not.
1: I'm not dying here. Over Betty. something going up.
0: <laughs> the only thing's going up is you. Exactly. Exactly. knock the lights out? Of yeah, you. I'm not going nowhere. Betty, using binoculars, saw an odd-shaped craft flashing multicolored lights travel across the face of the moon several years prior betty's sister claimed to have seen a flying saucer and betty believed that's what she had just seen as well barney looked through the binoculars too first claiming to see a commercial airliner but soon changed his mind due to the rapid descent of the object in their direction they quickly got in the car and drove toward a mountainous stretch of the road he's pointing at he's like oh that's just a. Pl- oh
1: oh shit!
0: And he, we gotta go <laughs> i just pictured him Leaving
1: her like he just drops it. It just runs. She's like, where are you going? Get in the fucking car now And they just speed off But it's too late because for some reason Aliens cars are faster than ours
0: Yeah, well they can fly so that helps They continued down this isolated road moving very slowly through Franconia notch so that they could observe the object as it came even closer At one point, they reported that the object passed above a restaurant and signal tower on top of Cannon Mountain and came out near the old man of the mountain. Betty noted that the object was at least one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, which was 40 feet long, and that the craft seemed to be rotating. The couple continued to watch as the silent, illuminated object bounced back and forth in the sky.
1: This sounds so beautiful.
0: You know, and they're like driving slowly. So they're not even like, we got to get the hell out of here. They're like, let's check it out.
1: Yeah, they're kind of enchanted, you know.
0: He's like, I, I, I mean, got. I think I'd be terrified and also curious too. So I can't really blame him.
1: Yeah, he's kind of like, I got to see how this, you know, how this plays out.
0: About one mile south of Indian Head, the object rapidly descended toward their vehicle, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. The craft hovered approximately eighty to one hundred feet over their car and filled their entire windshield. Barney, equipped with his pistol, left the car and moved closer to the craft. Using the binoculars, Barney saw 8 to 11 humanoid figures peering out the windows of the craft to look at him. In unison, all but one figure moved to a panel behind them. The remaining figure communicated to Barney to, Stay where you are and keep looking. Barney observed that the aliens had glossy black uniforms and black caps. Red lights began a telescope out of the size of the craft and a long structure Descended from the bottom.
1: The alien said, do not move. Stay
0: where you are. Put your hands on your head. Put the gun put your head against down. the vehicle. <laughs> I would have kept... You gotta go shooting.
1: That's what I'm saying. I would have kept... You reach for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I just caught that. Wow. I thought I would have made that joke. Not you. <laughs> but, uh... The cops were, I mean, the cops. <laughs> <laughs> the, the aliens. I like how these ones can talk. And yeah, also, I would have kept driving. If would, I, it seems like
0: the smart idea.
1: That's what I'm saying. If a saucer stops in front of me, I'm going to keep driving. I'm going to hit the reverse. It, it Hit the gas, dude. I'm out of there. I'm not about to get hit I'm not gonna get taken by an alien dude I don't want no problems
0: I want no alien beefs Well I'll tell you what Barney pretty much says Hell no
1: Then oh. <laughs> why'd he get out of the fucking car
0: I don't know He was like I'm gonna go check this out And they're like Hey stop And he's like Oh fuck no They can speak <laughs> They know English Oh god Barney made a break to the car Hysterical He told Betty They were going to capture them The craft again positioned itself over their vehicle, and Barney floored it out of there, telling Betty to keep an eye on it. Betty rolled down her window and looked up. At this point, they heard a series of beeping, or buzzing sounds, which they claimed seemed to bounce off the trunk of the vehicle. The car vibrated, and a tingling sensation passed through their bodies. This put them in what they described as an altered state of consciousness that left them dulled until a second wave of beeping and buzzing restored them. So, like, they kind of passed out for a bit? They kind of, they're not passing out because he's still driving, but they're kind of, like, out of their bodies, pretty much. They're, like, not actually active in their minds. Okay. It's, like, kind of, like, you know, do you ever drive or, like, play a video game or something and your mind just goes into autopilot mode?
1: Uh, yeah. Where you're, like,
0: not really paying attention, but you're still doing everything how you need to be? Yeah, I've had uh I, f- I figure it's something like that, but it's forced on them.
1: Yeah, I've done that playing uh, Spider-Man as of late. There's been periods where I'm just, like, going through the thing, like going through the motions and driving that happens all the time. Like, Oh dude, especially when it's a long drive. I just, just completely disappear for a bit. I get it. So
0: I, I think that's what, what's happened to them or, or basically it's akin to that, but it's forced on them. It's not something that they slipped into.
1: Yeah. They didn't, you know, they didn't give consent,
0: but now fully conscious, they realized they had traveled nearly 35 miles South only being able to recall making a sudden, unplanned turn, encountering a roadblock, and observing a fiery orb in the road. They arrived home at dawn. Their watches never ran again. The leather strap on the binoculars was mysteriously torn. The toes of Barney's shoes were scraped. They felt odd impulses. Betty insisted that they keep their luggage near the back door, and Barney felt compelled to examine his genitals, though he found nothing unusual. They took long showers and drew a picture of what they had observed.
1: Nah, uh, Barney just came back from cheating on his wife.
0: That's what happened. <laughs> I thought he was like, he's like, ah, uh, I gotta go check something out. Yeah, he's like, Link.
1: he's like, shit, I'm, shit is itching like a motherfucker,
0: dude. I think it's aliens.
1: Yeah, I think I think the aliens got us. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, well, he's in the bathroom like, that bitch burned the shit out of me. <laughs> Oh my god! I get it.
0: I but so yeah, they're feeling a little bit odd. They get back. Clearly, they're feeling a little bit odd, and they get back, and they don't know what what they, what's happened to that that amount of time.
1: That's the uh, that's the aliens telling Betty that he cheated on her. That's why they say, "Keep your luggage by the door. Take a you're long. ready to sh- leave. <laughs> get ready to leave. Take a long shower because he's a dirty man, and you're dirty after what he did. Like you know, get out of there." That's why they told him stay where you are. He didn't add them he didn't add the fact that he said, Stay where you are, you cheater.
0: <laughs> hey, I thought you said black men don't cheat.
1: This is the nineteen fifties. It was a different time and they black men don't cheat on white I mean sorry, black men don't cheat on black women. Okay. White women it's hey, shit happens.
0: They tried to reconstruct a chronology of the night. But the sounds caused their memories to become incomplete and fragmented. The next morning, Betty noticed her dress was torn in several places and was covered in a pinkish powder. There were shiny concentric circles on their trunk that had not been there before yesterday. They experimented with a compass, noting that when it got close to the spots, the needle would whir rapidly, but when it was within a few inches, it would drop down. So, we got this pinkish powder, her dress is torn, and we got these dents that make the compass go, go nuts. Which would make you think that they're magnetized, probably. Okay. But we don't know why. What ha- what caused them? Was it the aliens? Probably. Remember that they said that they felt these. The, uh, they heard a series of beeping or buzzing sounds, which they claim seemed to bounce off the trunk of their vehicle.
1: Okay. I can see that. I can see the aliens doing that.
0: Now, that recounting is pretty detailed, but it's even better if you hear it from Betty herself. So take a listen.
2: September 19th, 1961, Barney and I are in Montreal, Canada, and we were planning to stay there overnight. But then, in late afternoon, we heard a weather report that there was a hurricane coming up the coast, and it might hit Portsmouth. So we decided maybe we should head for home. Okay. So in late afternoon, we left Montreal, and it was a leisurely drive home. We were in no hurry, and we just decided that if we became too tired on the way home, we'd pull off and have a little nap. But, so we were in Colbert, New Hampshire, which is just over the line from Canada. And had a snack to eat, so that we always knew what time it was when we left. Okay. It was five minutes past ten. Okay. And then we started down through the White Mountains of New Hampshire, and no traffic. Beautiful night, moon is full, bright. We're driving along, relaxed because we'd been dri- We'd been in Canada for a few days before we went to Montreal. Yeah. We are enjoying ourselves, and all of a sudden, I saw what I thought was a new star in the sky.
3: Hmm. And you're a seasoned, experienced stargazer because of your beautiful open skies and and clear skies in New Hampshire. Right. I was uh,
2: quite uh, well acquainted with the skies, generally. But this star was coming in next to the moon and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and brighter mm. so we were curious So oh, me stopped the car and we got out to look at the star and as we're looking at it it changed direction
3: and flew in front of the face of the moon mm. so we knew it wasn't a star at that point what could you make out the shape or did it just appear round like a stand-up uh,
2: actually we couldn't see a shape too much but what we saw were Multicolored beams of light shooting out from the craft. Wow. So it was really quite spectacular right in the beginning.
3: My, even at that distance you could see lights, multicolored lights. Yep. Wow. And
2: then uh, while we're standing out there, well, first of all, we had our dog with us. Yes. So I left the dog out of the car, and then I put the dog back in the car. And at that point, this object changed direction. And began coming in towards us. Now this was puzzling because, first of all, 1961. I don't think either Barney and I had ever really—we'd heard something about flying saucers, mm-hmm. but we didn't know anything about them. Okay. And so, but we were curious about this craft.
3: Okay. So there wasn't fear at that point. You just oh, kept no, pulling just off. Oh the... no, Okay. Just and curious. then
2: actually, it followed us for about 30 miles. That's and long. We would slow down, and it would. And it paced us.
3: Oh, how far we, away was it at this point, Betty? Oh, not very far. Not very far? What and, does that and mean? like
2: We're coming down through the mountains, uh-huh. and the highway would curve, mm-hmm. and the UFO would go straight over the mountain, come out to the end of the mountain and sit there and wait for us.
3: Oh, so it would pause in, and hover in midair and then start to move again. And when we it came up to it, it was flying beside us. Now wait, I still need to get an idea of how close we're talking. Are we talking um, airplane? Oh no, no, no! Or, uh, airplane <laughs> height or star height or cloud height or we're know. talking about
2: well, see the mountains probably a four or five thousand feet. Okay. And I would say the craft was fifty, maybe fifty feet above the above the peaks. Okay. And the, the, the mountains, actually, almost the roads, the highways are right there, next to the, the mountains themselves. Yes, yes. You know, there's no space in between. Right,
3: right. So it
2: was close. And so we got to an area known as Indian Head, just before we got to Indian Head. Mm-hmm. This craft now is quite close to us, so and we're, we're puzzled. Hmm. We have no fear, and I put the window down for the car and waved to it. <laughs>
3: you waved to the UFO? Yeah. <laughs> Betty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, about a half mile beyond that,
3: did you get any response? I know that sounds silly, but was there any response? Yeah. What kind of response?
2: Came out over the highway and stopped directly in front of us. So that was the first time.
3: So it was sort of off to the side, but then after you waved out of the car, it it, came out in front of us. That's a definite response. That's a definite response. I remember,
2: Barney had been in the military World War II. Okay. He's curious. What kind of craft is this?
3: Ah, so he's intellectual. He's never
2: seen anything like this before in the military.
3: Well, Barney was also an avid plane watcher as a hobby for himself, wasn't he?
2: Yep. Well, he'd been in the military, World war too. Yeah. And he knew just about everything that flew. Right. So uh, when this craft stopped in midair in front of us, Barney's going to identify it, if possible. So he takes the binoculars, gets out of the car a stood under the craft
3: looking up at it so you had stopped at the side of the road and he now starts walking towards this craft yeah and, and looking ha- up at it i'm sitting in the car now how how high or low was the craft at this point it was quite low to the ground at this stage wasn't oh, i would say fifty feet fifty feet above the ground out in a field so no. at this point i don't really in front of the highway right in front of us oh this wasn't over at the field it was no, the it highway. barney walked towards that Okay. But then
2: it moved out, a uh, short ways out into the field. Okay. And he started walking
3: out into the field towards it. What did you think when you saw him walking straight for this UFO that's only 50 feet off the ground? Well, you- I was wondering if he could identify it. <laughs> oh, you weren't worried at all at that point. <laughs> no. Okay. No, no fears, no nothing. You both are very intellectually curious. <laughs> so, and as Barney
2: walks towards it, he's looking up through the binoculars. And he sees a light, like a big picture window, lighted, and he sees this group of men standing behind the window, looking down at him.
3: Okay, so he sees beings on board this craft, several of them, looking out the window right at him on the ground, looking back through binoculars. And as he's
2: watching, one of these men reached behind him, and it was like a panel on the wall. And he was moving lovers up and down
3: hmm.
2: and at that point the graph started to descend and as it did a thought of a narrow wing came out on each side yes. with a red light at the end of the wing
3: so wings emerged suddenly yep okay
2: and at this point Barney knew it was something he'd never seen before
3: and he had the feeling that they were coming down they were going to, they were trying to capture him now, let's stop for a, one second there. The beings he saw on the craft, did they look like normal human beings?
2: Uh, well, from what he could see, he, he assumed they were normal.
3: He did at that yeah. stage? Yeah. Okay, because we do have sketches we can show the audience um, that they, as he got a closer look, look pretty different. Okay, please go on. This well, is riveting.
2: So, the craft becomes begins to descend. Mm-hmm he becomes frightened runs back to the car yelling that they were trying to capture him mm-hmm. and we had to get out of there now, yes.
3: so, he, he had something happened with the binocular strap this heavy thick leather binocular now, strap we, around when,
2: his neck uh, we didn't realize it at the time but when he pulled the binoculars down from his eyes he did it with such force that it actually broke the strap around
3: his neck And he actually had a sore neck for several days afterwards from that, didn't he? Right. Okay. All right. So he's running back to the car. Originally, he's out of sound shot from you because of being so far away. Were you trying to call out to him at all while he was in the field? Even though you said you weren't worried about him, did you try to call after him while he was out in the field?
2: When the crash started to come down, I yelled to
3: him. Okay. I'm yelling
2: out, you know, get back in the car. I begin to sense danger at that
3: point. Oh, you too? Okay. Right. All right. So something shifted. At first you were curious and calm, then you both started to get worried, and he came back to the car yelling, they're going to capture us in a very high state of uh, fear and anxiety. Right. Okay. What happens now? So we went speeding down the highway, and uh, we just got a short
2: distance when we heard a beeping, a strange beeping sound.
3: Can you imitate that at all? I, i
2: no, not really. It was sort of tinny, but it was like
3: beep 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 beep, beep, beep like that. Okay, and then... and the whole car vibrated. uh... was this painful or uncomfortable? The level of vibration? No, nope, it was just
2: curiosity.
3: Okay, you know what's happening. Okay, and at that point, I put the
2: window down and put my head out to see if I could see what was happening. And what did you see? And uh at that point the the ufo
3: went over the roof of the car now and then i lost it i couldn't see it now did you actually see the ufo or was it that you couldn't see the star suddenly in a yeah. it... well, it blocked the sky and i could see the bottom of that could you see any markings or or anything on the bottom of the ufo that stands out in your mind
2: no, no markings
3: okay so you heard a beeping coming from the back trunk area of your car Then you look out the window and see the UFO directly overhead. How low was it, Betty? Oh, just barely missing the roof. Oh, how large did it seem to you? That must have been unbelievable. Oh, it was fairly large. Because later, when we went back, we actually took measurements. And what did you, what was the measurement you came up with?
2: (coughs) Excuse me. The craft was approximately 60 feet wide. 60. Between 60 and
3: 65. I would not want a 60 foot craft flying just inches above my car. That is very alarming, to say the least. <laughs> and not only that, missing
2: the trees on both sides. <laughs> oh.
3: oh, that's right. That's true. Mountainous roads in New Hampshire are highly <laughs> treacherous. Oh, for goodness sake. So Barney is probably driving a bit wildly and fast with this UFO practically landing on your roof. Yeah. You're both a bit panicked. And, what happens now? I think
2: I'm then we calmed right down
3: huh and all uh, we
2: were watching and we couldn't find the uf it was gone hmm. and we said you know well they're gone okay well then about thirty miles south Barney turns off the main highway onto
3: a secondary road was this where you planned to go? no, no. onto a, another, a little narrow road now, he did this kind of abruptly, didn't he? Did it right. kind of startle you that? Yeah. Well, you see,
2: I, I really didn't question it too much because when Barney was traveling, he always studied maps and he knew every shortcut there was. So you trusted so him? So I just assumed this is a shortcut. We drive home and we get home and. Uh,
3: Uneventfully, you get home, something yes. happened. Wasn't there something? No. Wasn't there some missing time?
2: or? Oh, well, when we got home, Barney said, you know, gosh, the trip took longer than what it should.
3: About two hours longer, at right, least. Right,
2: about two hours longer. And then we found a highly polished spot in the trunk of the car, apparently where the beeping sounds had originated.
3: So, Aunt, when you went to look at the trunk of your car, on the surface, there were highly polished, perfectly round surfaces. Yep. Like marks or something. Shiny spots. Now there was more beeping on the way home. See there's a segment that after you the UFO oh, uh, office when we got back yeah.
2: We we left the craft. but we got back on the main highway.
3: Okay. They beat us again. Okay. <laughs> you both lost your wardrobe on this trip. Okay, <laughs> so his shoes were scuffed. What else? What about your watches? Wasn't And there... the both our watches have stopped functioning? Now, did they both stop at the exact same time? We don't know. Oh, you can't because
2: remember. you know his watch stopped. Well, your watch stops, and you wind it up, and you set it, and try oh. to get it going again. Oh,
3: of course, it's a device. That's what we did. So oh, okay. we never did really know what time. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Okay, but uh, now what about your dress?
2: Okay, now my dress. I took it off, and I put it in the back of the closet, and. About three weeks later, I went to get my dress, and it was covered with a pink powdery substance.
3: Did it have a smell to it or anything? Or not that I noticed. And what was the texture like? Baby powder? Like did? You- yeah, it was like, a, uh, yeah, I
2: would say sort of like a talcum powder. Okay. But it was pink. Pink. And hmm. I put the dress outdoors, and the powder blew away. Oh goodness. But it left pink stains all over my dress.
3: Now, can you account for what that was? Did they do anything to you during the, uh, the encounter that you remember them touching you in a certain spot?
2: No. Nope. And uh, ever since then,
3: And different
2: labs have tried to analyze. In fact, the, right now there's an attempt being made oh. to try to analyze what would cause pink stains. We know what would cause blue. The dress was blue. Okay. So we knew what would cause blue stains or gray stains, but no idea what causes pink.
3: Fascinating. Well, I I would love to hear when you get the results back from that test. That could, if they are able to determine it, maybe where really you don't have sophisticated enough equipment. Also, your dress from struggling. What happened? Yeah, my your... dress
2: was torn. Your dress was
3: torn. Yeah.
2: So that dress... it, was, it was one of these dresses had the built-in lining.
3: Yes. Oh. And the lining is all torn. Oh dear! Do you still have all it? the seams are torn out? Oh my! Do you still have that dress, Betty? Oh yes. Oh my goodness. Yep. <laughs> that is a, a famous uh, dress to hang on to, I must say. <laughs> oh my right. goodness! I will see you uh, had so much when you got home how did you feel when you first got home like my goodness what a harrowing experience you kind of walk in your house late at night later than you expected we home about five
2: o'clock in the morning
3: oh my and
2: actually we both felt the only way we could describe it as contaminated huh. so we both took long showers wow. shampooed our hair and all wow but we did not bathe the dog and i would say 2 weeks afterwards she had all kinds of skin rashes oh my i didn't if know we that. had her back and forth to the vets for 2 years
3: oh dear do you think there was some kind of loops for having a little feedback here do you think that was some kind of radiation exposure or from that pink dust off your dress i don't know but whatever no. it was she was very uncomfortable oh. i mean she had big boils Oh, dear. Did that, is that a symptom of radiation exposure?
2: I have no idea. Okay. All and right. the vet didn't know what was doing. He just said she came in something that didn't contact with something that did not agree with her.
3: Yeah. Now, did you or Barney... Uh, oh, can we get rid of the feedback in here? Did you or Barney have any illness as a result of your encounter? No, not then.
1: Okay, it's just her saying... Uh, you know...
0: I thought you were gonna say an alien form <laughs> language again.
1: Oh. Yeah. stay where you are.
0: <laughs> Who? What? What Muppet sounded like that? You sound like I have no idea what you're doing. You sound almost like Kermit the Frog, but you're still quite a ways away.
1: So kind of like Kermit and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is like, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Stay where you are, Miss Piggy, and get to the chopper. Ah. <laughs>
0: Kermit the frog here <laughs> Kermit the frog here
1: Barney cheated on her
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's actually where the inspiration was It was aliens mixed with Arnold Schwarzenegger That's how they got the inspiration for Kermit's voice That's exactly where it came from I get it That's how I'm so, gonna
1: I'm gonna have them as Kermit
0: the frog from here on out That's the voice for the aliens <laughs> On September 21st, two days later, Betty called Pease Air Force Base after being referred to do so by local police when she tried to report the incident. Betty tried to hold back some of the more unbelievable details until she could determine if they would take her report seriously. The following day, Major Paul Henderson called them back for more information.
1: Kermit the Alien here.
0: (laughs) They're not going to believe you, bitch. (laughs) They're not going to believe you were abducted.
1: At all. (laughs) And you're dating a black man, so they're going to be kind of pissed off.
0: They're going to be even more incredulous. (laughs) They're going
1: to (laughs) be... Golly, I'm so... So what did they say to her?
0: A later radar report revealed that the Air Force Base did find an unidentified object. One memo signed by Paul Slocum says, quote, one, the relatively low speed and high altitude of the subject UFO, coupled with an erratic course, including hovering, appear to rule out normal aircraft target and favor some target as a weather balloon. Two, it is suggested that if it is desired to pursue the investigation further, a check might be made of activities in the area responsible for launching and tracking weather balloons, end quote another memo reports that they did indeed send out another aircraft to track it quote, quote observed unidentified aircraft come on par precision approach radar four miles out aircraft made approach and pulled up at half a mile shortly after observed weak target on downwind then when it made low approach tower unable to see any aircraft at any time end quote so notice that the weather balloon comes back but, of the Hill's report, another memo read, quote, Both radar and visual sighting are probably due to conditions resulting from strong inversion, which prevailed in area on morning of sighting. Actual source of light viewed is not known, but it has all the characteristics of an advertising searchlight. Radar probably was looking at some ground target due to strong inversion. A temperature inversion can take place in a perfectly clear sky. No evidence indicating objects were due to other than natural causes. But to this, NICAP responded, It is also interesting to note that the comment made in item 11 regarding the UFO as having all the characteristics of an advertising searchlight. This possible explanation raises the question of what an advertising searchlight would have been used for in Lincoln, New Hampshire between midnight and 1 a.m. There is no indication that Project Blue Book ever filed the searchlight hypothesis, although it would have been relatively simple to discover whether or not a searchlight was actually in use in Lincoln, New Hampshire, on the date in question,
1: So that's how they're trying to kind of, you know...
0: Like, is a searchlight or a weather balloon, and they're like, well, why the fuck would it be a searchlight at 1 a.m.? Doesn't make any sense.
1: Kermit the alien here. Search for these balls. ha ha ha.
0: It's alleged that two planes were sent out to track the UFO, and their reports are still classified. Okay. What does that tell you?
1: That. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe, maybe they, they saw some shit. Maybe they saw some shit, or maybe they just were like, "Ah, oh, it's it's not even worth really saying anything." Or maybe they found some of their stuff out there, and they're like, "Oh my god." Yikes. We can't tell them about this.
0: We don't want another Roswell.
1: Yeah, or like, what if they were like, you know, they were testing shit. And that's what they found. They were like, oh shit. Why didn't you tell me that you were testing like, I don't know, like this plane or some shit. Now I gotta come up with a way to disguise this. I don't know.
0: Well, uh, you should rest easy because it's only gonna get crazier from here.
1: I'm resting alright.
0: Ten days after the encounter, Betty began to have a series of vivid dreams. They continued for five nights. She said that she had never encountered dreams so vivid and intense. The dreams went something like this. Betty and Barney encounter a roadblock, and men surround their car. She loses consciousness and struggles to come to. She then realizes she's being forced by two small men to walk in a forest in the nighttime and that Barney is walking behind her in a trance-like state, unresponsive to her calls. The men stood just over five feet tall and wore matching blue uniforms like those worn by military cadets. They appeared nearly human with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips. Their skin was a grayish color. They all walk up a ramp into a disc-shaped craft of metallic appearance. Once inside, they are separated she protests, but a being she called the leader tells her if they are examined together, it will take much longer. At this point, they are taken into separate rooms. A new man now enters the room similar to the others to conduct her exam. A new man now enters the room similar to the others to conduct her exam. She calls him the examiner and said he was pleasant and calm. His command of English seemed imperfect, and she had difficulty understanding him. The examiner would conduct a test to see the difference between the craft's inhabitants and them. She was sat in a chair and had a bright light shone on her. They took a lock of her hair and examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands. He saved trimmings from her fingernails as well. After examining her legs and feet, the man used a dull knife to scrape some skin off of her. He then tests her nervous system and thrusts a needle into her navel, causing Betty immense pain. The leader waves his hand in front of her eyes and the pain disappears. The examiner leaves the room now and Betty engages in conversation with the leader. She picks up a book with some strange symbols that she is allowed to take home. She asks where he comes from and he shows her on an instructional map. The men then escort the hills from the ship and disagreement breaks out between the leader and the rest. The leader tells Betty that she can't take the book as they don't want her to remember the encounter. Betty insisted that no matter what, she would one day remember. The Hills are taken to their car, where the leader suggests they watch the craft's departure.
1: I don't know what the hell just went on there.
0: That was her five dreams she had, It was this event. And they stopped, there was five nights every single night, and then it stopped.
1: I don't know if the leader sucks, or if he's a decent guy.
0: Well, he's, he, he's like, okay, you can bring a book so you can prove that this happened. And then they were like, hell no, you she can't let her prove that we were here. And he's like, oh, you're right. I got to have that back. So so, when he,
1: so what is he, a goof?
0: I think he's like trying, he's compassionate. But so uh, the, the thing was he, the examiner hurt her by sticking the needle into her belly button. But he insisted that it wasn't going to hurt. And she was like, no, it's going to. And then when it caused her pain, he stopped doing it. And then he 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 like healed her. So it seems like they're not trying to hurt them, really. They're just trying to understand what's happening.
1: So he's a nice guy. I like him. I'm pro the leader.
0: That's kind of a menacing name, though, I feel.
1: I I guarantee his real name is, like, Bob or something, but she didn't know it.
0: Bob the Alien.
1: Yeah, like, whenever it's, like, no one, they always call him Commander. Like, they can't be like, Hey, "Hey, uh, I'm sorry about this, Betty. I, I I didn't mean to, you know, do this to you. Uh. You can have this book if you want, if that makes you feel any better. Also, I'm gonna give you a heads up. Barty's cheating on you. He told us in the other <laughs> room. He gave us a heads up in the other room, but it's alright. And then the rest of the group are like, Kermie you, you can't give her this book! Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Instead of giving her this book, let's we'll give her some cookies!
0: <laughs> oh, God. I think those are two different things. <laughs> and then
1: and then the leader was like, relax, relax. We're not gonna do that. We're just gonna watch her leave. I will will. Okay, does does uh uh Barney ever have like does he say that he has these dreams too, or is this mostly Betty? He does not. Betty's oh, so. the only one that has the dreams so don't worry
0: the... because these experiences will come back later.
1: So Betty's the only one who was paying attention during this whole thing.
0: Well, remember he, it, it, she said that he was in a trance-like state and was yeah. unresponsive, according to her dream.
1: Yeah. So, but Barney, but Betty snapped out of it. All right, I'll give her that. I like the leader. He seems like a sweet guy.
0: I thought that too. I'm like, all right, these are nice aliens. Yeah, and the Well, I guess guy, both of these aliens are nice so far in both of these stories.
1: Well, and, and other reasons for the other one, but
0: <laughs> yeah, very different. And
1: this one, the even the examiner was kind of nice, like. He came in, he couldn't really speak English, but, you know.
0: He didn't want her to be in pain?
1: What immigrant can, you know, when they first get here?
0: So it's a he, struggle.
1: Yeah, so he's like, you know, hey, how you doing? I, I feel bad, I don't want to put you in pain, but I kind of have to. This is a dull knife, I'm going to kind of scrape a little bit of your skin off. Uh, cause I just want to figure you out, you know, I want to know who you are. I want to yeah, get to know you. I want to get to know you. You could have came with us if you didn't open your mouth. If you didn't
0: try to take that book.
1: Well, if you would have took the book, uh, you, it would have been all right.
0: The leader's like,
1: yeah, you can have. I wonder why he just didn't care. Like, ah, like, oh, you can have the book.
0: And why? Were, like, ah, oh, shit. But, I can't.
1: Let me find out that the leader is the son of the, like, the guy in charge over there, and he just got the job because he's the son. But he's yeah. really terrible at it. He's not at qualified it. at all. He's not qualified at all. They were like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, dude, I, oh. Well, I'm going to sit back and smoke me a joint anyway.
0: <laughs> I want some of that earth kush. Yeah,
1: that's what we came here for. Where, <laughs> anyways. All right, first question. Where's that good Khalifa kush at?
0: <laughs> where's that green green? Yeah,
1: where's that? where's that ganja, you know? Where's that at? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, it's the 60s, no one smokes.
0: <laughs> she gives him LSD instead. Yeah,
1: and that's why he hates humans.
0: Yep, he had a bad trip. On November 25th, 1961, the Hills were again interviewed at length by Robert Jackson and C.D. Homan of the NICAP, or National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. Although the Hills had noted that they had arrived home later than anticipated, the drive should have taken about four hours. They claimed not to have realized that they arrived home seven hours after they left. When Homan and Jackson noted this discrepancy to the Hills, the couple had no explanation and claimed to remember nothing of the 35-mile stretch of U.S. Route 3 between Indian Head and Ashland. Both claimed to recall an image of a fiery orb sitting on the ground. Betty and Barney reasoned that it must have been the moon but Homan and Jackson informed them that the moon had set earlier in the evening.
1: I do like about this story, though, that it's not just like a, a flying saucer. It's like, this is a ball, a orb.
0: Well, there was the saucer, too, but this is a fiery orb. of something kind of yeah, different, I guess. Yeah,
1: you know, it's a little different.
0: Over a year later, on March 3rd, 1963, the Hills talked about their encounter for the first time publicly with a group at their church. Then on September 7th, 1963... Captain Ben Sweat of the United States Air Force gave a formal lecture to a meeting at the Unitarian Church. After the lecture, the Hills told him that Barney was going to a psychiatrist, Mr. Stevens, whom he liked and trusted. Captain Sweat suggested that Barney asked Stevens about the use of hypnosis, and when Barney next met Stevens, he did so and was referred to Dr. Benjamin Simon in Boston. So
1: you mentioned a church, so this is the point where a person who you never thought would step, place in the story, comes into the story. Okay, scene.
0: Jesus from the last nope. the last story.
1: scene. Barney's chilling outside. He's at the church. Out know where He gets a, a, somebody yells to him. Barney, I said, I said, I said, I said, come on in here, Barney. Come on oh in here. I said, I said, Bar- Barney, you're telling me, I said, I said that. That you speak to the aliens, I said, I said. And Barney's like, yeah, Mr. Jones, I mean, I mean, the uh, the aliens, they, they, the, my wife mostly speak to them, so, you know, I didn't really get to say, any, you know, really too much to him. Well, then, I, uh, who, who bought this man in my office, I said, I said, get him out of here, bring his wife in here, I said, I said, sit on down, please. Uh... <clears throat> I said, I said, listen to me, uh Miss Miss Hill. <clears throat> you said the aliens talk to you, I said, I said. You, you want to know something about me? The aliens talk to me too, but my aliens mostly just scream stuff. Like, <laughs> and she's like, that's, I don't think I believe you, M- M- Mr. Jones.
2: I say, she reminds me of Paul Revere's ride. A
1: little light in a belfry. I said, I said, bitch, you about to die? <laughs> he just goes to strangle her.
0: For anyone who's unaware, that's a that's Jim Jones of the People's Temple. <laughs> People's Temple, Jim Jones. Go listen to our Jonestown episodes.
1: That's how he meets the ghost. It's really just an alien, but he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to spin it like that. They weren't well, that's ready. That's crazy. For that. Yeah, aliens are crazy. Ghosts. Exactly.
0: Russian ghosts or whatever. Exactly. Does make sense. Yeah. The Hills first met Simon on December 14th, 1963. Early in their discussions, Simon determined that the UFO encounter was causing Barney far more distress than he was willing to admit. It seemed obvious to Simon that the Hills genuinely believed they had witnessed a UFO and its extraterrestrial occupants. Simon hoped to uncover more about the experience through hypnosis, potentially even the events from when they'd lost time. So Simon hypnotized Barney first. His recall of witnessing alien figures was quite emotional, including expressions of fear, emotional outbursts, and doubt about his own memories. Barney said that due to his fear, he kept his eyes closed for much of the abduction and physical examination. Based on these early responses, Simon told Barney that he would not remember the hypnosis sessions until he was certain he could remember them without being further traumatized. Under hypnosis, as was consistent with his conscious recall, Barney reported that the binocular strap had broken when he ran from the UFO back to his car. He recalled driving away from the UFO, but that afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing in the dirt road. The car stalled and three of the men approached their car. They told Barney to not fear them. He was still anxious, however, and he reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes. While hypnotized, Barney said, quote, I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes, quote. Barney described the beings as generally similar to Betty's hypnotic recollection. The beings often stared into his eyes," said Barney, with a terrifying, mesmerizing effect. Under hypnosis, Barney said things like, quote, "Oh, those eyes, they're there in my brain." And quote. End quote. I was told to close my eyes because I saw two eyes coming close to mine, and I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes. End quote. And finally, quote, all I see are these eyes. I'm not even afraid that they're not connected to a body. They're just there. They're just up close to me, pressing against my eyes, End quote. Barney related that he and Betty were taken onto the disc-shaped craft where they were separated. He was escorted to a room by three of the men and told to lie on a small rectangular exam table. Unlike Betty, Barney's narrative of the exam was less detailed. As he continued to keep his eyes closed for most of the examination. A cup-like device was placed over his genitals. He did not experience an orgasm, though Barney thought that a sperm sample had been taken. The men scraped his skin and peered into his ears and mouth. A thin tube or cylinder was inserted into his anus and quickly removed. Someone felt his spine and seemed to be counting his vertebrae.
1: Oh my god.
0: He got probed, dog.
1: Why did they shove something up her ass?
0: I don't know. Because oh. they didn't take her to dinner first? <laughs> they respect her more?
1: They didn't take him either. Like, what the hell? That's so bull. They put a cup over his... How did he get an orgasm? He didn't experience an orgasm. How did he get some sperm out?
0: Because they just sucked it out.
1: That <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense. He would have orgasmed him then.
0: I have no idea.
1: I don't like how they shoved something up his ass. What was
0: the... I don't know. I've, I have no idea. Because they didn't do anything... With any of Betty's business. That's what I'm saying. Like, they
1: didn't do nothing to Betty.
0: This is a, this is actually a different experience that Barney's talking about. <laughs> a far more personal one.
1: No wonder Barney had his eyes closed, dude. <laughs> dude, uh, the second of have been like, look, man, I know you guys want to examine me, but please don't put that down my butt, dude.
0: <laughs> I will fight back and you guys can going to kill me, but please don't. Do you think that this is where the anal probe part of, like, alien abductions come, came it has,
1: from? <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. This is where you it think started.
0: That, do you think that he was like, they put something up my butt, and Betty's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, she, she's
1: like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Arr? She just turned it. <laughs>
0: Shraggy? What?
1: Okay, so that didn't happen for me. I love how the dudes always in this story, in these stories...
0: They get their rocks off somehow. They do.
1: They somehow get their They're rocks off.
0: They're like, I, I gotta make up a story. Um, I fucked it.
1: Yeah, it's somehow it always falls back to that. I fucked it or it fucked me. Like, it's always that. Never anything in between.
0: Well, now here's where, here's where we start to get into Betty's recollection.
1: Yeah, my butt cheeks are clenched,
0: so let's hear it. <laughs> Betty reported a conversation with the leader That she understood in english barney said that he heard them speaking in a mumbling language he did not understand yet he also understood them in english betty also mentioned this detail the few times they communicated with him barney said it seemed to be thought transference at that time he was unfamiliar with the word telepathy both betty and barney stated that they hadn't observed the beings mouths moving while they communicated in english with them we always
1: make the aliens have superpowers.
0: Yeah, they they have they they can never be just like us. They're like yeah, way ahead.
1: It's always like, and then they just you know made something explode with their mind. <laughs> yeah,
0: and they had a ray gun too and a spaceship.
1: <laughs> exactly, and and they could just like they their technology was so ahead of ours we couldn't even understand it.
0: Oh, I lied actually. Before um, we're still in in uh, Barney's recollection okay but that was some of Betty's that, that matched up with his okay so he recalled being escorted from the ship and taken to his car in a daze he watched the ship leave Barney remembered a light appearing on the road and he said oh no not again he recalled Betty's speculation that the light might have been the moon though the moon had in fact set several hours earlier. He also stated that he attempted to produce the code-like buzzing sounds, which seemed to strike the car's trunk a second time by driving from side to side and stopping and starting the vehicle. His attempt was unsuccessful.
1: When he saw the lights, he said, oh no, not again, and clenched his butt. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't getting my butt this time. Oh, not a- never, never again. Never again. My butt cheeks are sealed.
0: He starts doing, uh, male, uh, kegels. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Oh. Barney's hypnosis sessions revealed a great deal of information and hidden traumas to him, and Betty's would be no different, though her interactions with the beings was markedly less uncomfortable.
1: Alright, let's get into it. This is what I was here for. Let's
0: see. (laughs) Under hypnosis, Betty's account was similar to the events of her five dreams about the UFO abduction, but there was also notable differences, mainly pertaining to her capture and release. The technology on the craft was different. The short men had a significantly different physical appearance from that of her dreams. The sequential order of the abduction event was also different from Betty's dream account. Barney and Betty's memories in hypnotic regression were consistent with one another, but contradicted some of the information in Betty's dreams. Betty exhibited considerable emotional distress during her capture and examination. Simon ended one session early because tears were flowing down her cheeks and she appeared distressed. Simon gave Betty the post-hypnotic suggestion that she could sketch a copy of the star map that she later described to a three-dimensional projection similar to a hologram. Eventually, she did what Simon suggested. Although she said the map had many stars, she drew only those that stood out to her in memory. Her map consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines and three lesser ones that formed a distinctive triangle. She said that she was told the stars connected by solid lines formed trade routes, whereas dashed lines were less-traveled stars. So, basically that's all that's new. Um and uh, the stuff from her dreams is almost dead accurate. One thing was that they went in there and they started poking around in her mouth and were really confused by why her teeth didn't come out because Barney's did come out because he had dentures because he lost his teeth in the war to a, uh, to a grenade. That's kind of hilarious. But once she tried to explain dentures to him, the, to the alien, that led to a discussion on old age, was led to a discussion on food, which led to a discussion on vegetables and all this stuff and they just didn't understand any of it.
1: Which led to him getting mad.
0: Which yeah. But well I guess he still gave her a book or tried to. But again, all this stuff is better if you hear it from Betty.
2: Until we go about half a mile on this road and there was a man that he saw on the craft standing in the middle of the road, blocking our
3: way. So there's one particular being that he saw on the craft when it was over the field. Who now he recognized was the same one is standing in the middle of the road, and the craft is where? On the ground. On the ground behind the being. Yep. In front of your car. In front of the car. Blocking your drive. Yep. Now what? Now what did you feel? Well, the motor of the car
2: died. Oh, you. And at that moment. I will admit that both Barney and I panicked.
3: Oh dear. Oh dear.
2: Here we are alone, back m- mountain road, and here are these men. We don't know who they are. So okay. they separated, came up in two groups, took
3: us out of the car. How many were there? All together, 11. 11? Yeah. So five came up to you, five or six came up to Barney. Yep. And, and how, did you stay in the car? Did, I mean... No. Uh, actually,
2: when I saw them coming up, I in danger. Hmm. I opened the car door, and I was going to get out and try and run and hide in the woods. Okay. But I didn't make it. <laughs> did I they... just got the door open, just started to get out, and they were standing right there in the doorway blocking my way.
3: Huh.
2: Oh, dear. And at that point, I went, uh, it was like a loss of memory. It was, for a couple of minutes, I couldn't remember what was happening. And whatever this was, I brought myself out of that. And we're walking in a path in the woods. Okay. Now, I'm fully conscious. But Barney, they had Barney under some kind of control and he's having trouble walking hmm. and they're more or
3: less dragging him along Now, are his feet dragging behind him Yeah. sort of like uh, the tops of his shoes are dragging and scraping right. along the In ground as they're these... Yeah. Course, later the tops of his shoes were all scuffed okay now how tall are these uh, beings? Uh, uh, they were about my height and how tall are you Betty? five foot so they were shorter than the average male at that time Right. Okay.
2: Because um, Barney was
3: taller, than my, much taller than they were. But they were still managing to hold him up. Yep. Okay. And they had a hand, they were kind of holding you from either side as well, just like Barney. No, nope. I
2: was sort of walking along on my
3: own. All right. Were you at fully, now you said you were fully conscious. Did mm-hmm. you try to struggle at all or did nope. you? No, I kept saying, Barney, 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 wake up. Okay. <laughs> I you... was trying to wake Barney up. Yes. yes.
2: And I wasn't able to. And we came to where the craft was on the ground, and the le- and, oh, and when I kept calling him Barney, the leader said his name is Barney. And I said none of your business.
3: Well, oh, you are you get them That's right. You're not going to cooperate with them. They're <laughs> just dragging you off in the middle of the night. And so that now we're at the door of the craft. Now wait a minute. You said he kept asking you uh, or responding. His name is Barney. Did they talk to you the way? Did they have mouths and yep. was there sound coming they had out? Voices. Yep. They, they had voices. Right. And was clearly speaking English to you? Yeah. Well, there was an accent. And what kind of accent did you ever figure? No, out? I never
2: could figure it out. Never could. Okay.
3: Nope. All right. So they dragging you and Barney. Barney's unconscious, being dragged behind you. I was
2: at the door of the craft, and he said, "Go on," and I said, "No." You're gonna... And so they tried to pull me on. Oh, and that's when I put up a battle, and my dress got torn. Oh, dear. And it was the second time
3: I'd worn it. Oh, <laughs> that's never good. <laughs> what a waste of a good dress, huh?
2: <laughs> and the one oh. that did the talking said, you know, go on. You're not going to be harmed. Oh. All we want to do is some simple tests." And when the tests are over with, we'll take you back to your car, and you'll be on your way home.
3: So they were trying to encourage you, if you just get on, let us get you know get this over with, you'll be back at your car sooner. Right. You just, know. Now, how, did you trust that, believe it? What was your reaction? Well, I didn't have much choice
2: at that moment. So, so we were taken inside. Barney went in first. Okay. And actually, it was a corridor. Hmm. And to go, there was two rooms side by side. And the door going into the room was oval-shaped, like you would find on a ship. Oh. And we had to step up to go into the room. Okay. It was
3: higher than the floor of the corridor. Now, was the corridor straight and boxy? No, it curved. It was a curved interior corridor that led to two doorways, one of which you went into and one of which Barney was taken into, and it was an oval doorway with a step up. Right. Okay.
2: Yep. So, uh, uh, so I went in, and there was, well, the, thing to be, the man who spoke English, we called him the leader. Okay. And he said they wanted to do some tests, simple tests. Mm. And then the man, uh, this other man came in, and we called him the examiner because he did the testing. Okay. And then the nine others stayed out in the corridor. Oh, okay.
3: So we called
2: them the crew members. Okay. For purposes of identification.
3: Now, why do you think you and Barney were in separate rooms?
2: Why? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I questioned that, and he said they could only do testing of one at a time. Mm Mm-hmm. So they they would test me, and then he'd go into the next room where Barney was.
3: Okay. Which is
2: what happened.
3: Okay. So if they brought you in at the same time, you'd have to. They'd be taking turns with you. So this was faster.
2: Yes. Okay. They only had equipment for one person. Oh, okay. At a time.
3: Was that more alarming to you to be separated from Barney at that stage? Nope. No. Nope. I. I
2: see. Um. Uh, it's tar- a new situation. You know, I'm playing it by ear. I don't sure. know what's going to happen. Sure. For all I know, they might roast me for lunch. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's not, a, it's not a very funny thought, actually. That's kind of. That, well, how terrified were you at that time? Well,
2: after I got inside, then I got over being afraid. Well, see, the leader did, was doing all he could to calm us down.
3: Huh.
2: I say, we're not going to harm you. Okay. Wait, we just want to find out how you were like us and different from us. Oh, really? Okay. And then as soon as we find that out, we're gonna take you back to the car. Hmm.
3: Okay, interesting. Yeah. Did you think these were beings from another planet or galaxy or another world at that stage? Oh yeah. Yeah. No question your mind. No, no question. question.
2: Uh, All right. So that made sense. These are astronauts from another solar system. All right. I was beginning to become impressed. <laughs> I was getting over my fears and. I've got a lot of curiosity now. Uh huh. Yeah.
3: Now, what, did, what was in that room that they brought you into? Because you didn't actually see the inside of Barney's room, but what. No, did... but they both later we found out they were the same. Okay, because <laughs> of descriptions later. Yeah. What... Actually, the rooms were pie shaped,
2: like a piece of pie.
3: Oh, that makes sense if it was a round craft, huh? Right.
2: Okay. And uh, the lighting was all indirect lighting, hmm. ceiling and walls. Okay. And it was a bright blue light. Very very bright. And uh, there was like a little table and a stool.
3: And was the table large enough for a normal adult human to fit no. on? No. Barney's legs were hanging over the edge. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. So it was a shorter table than you would expect. Right. Okay. Yep.
2: And then there was a cabinet. Oh. And then there was uh some of the equipment they used. It was uh, on the wall, they just slid these doors back, and the equipment was sort of built into
3: the wall. Huh. okay. So, so they kind of reached up, took it off the wall, and then brought it over to where? No, they, was, no, they just slid the doors back. Slid the door back. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. So uh,
2: now my examination, they, first of all, they put me on a stool, and they checked my eyes, ears, nose, throat, they were very interested in my feet. Uh, they took
3: samples of my hair. How did they cut it, uh, or pull it out, or? They cut it. They cut it. So they had. Was it a scissor like we're familiar I with? Don't, no, it was, I don't know.
2: I couldn't see what they. I knew they cut it, but I don't know what they used.
3: And when they looked in your eye, you know, when you go to an eye doctor, they have a thing that lights up the inside of your eye or your ear. Did they, Did anything look familiar to you? No, it not No lights. No lights. They no. just were looking and leaning forward and looking. Yeah. And did any of this hurt at this stage? No. Not yet. Okay. And they also
2: took a scraping of my skin. Mm. And then they said they were going to check my nervous system. And they had these, this equipment in the wall. And they pulled these wires out. And
3: they were touching me. Did that hurt? No. No. So they were touching you, not poking you with wires and no, no shocks. They were putting, you know, touching them.
2: and and reading this machine. Oh, wow. And then he said they were going to do a pregnancy test.
3: Now, how old were you at this stage, by the way, if you don't mind saying? 40. 40, okay, all right. So they're going to do a pregnancy test. And this is when he tried to put
2: a needle-like instrument in my navel, which caused pain, so he
3: stopped doing it. Okay, now, let's spend a minute on that, though. Actually, before they were about to do the pregnancy test, did you say anything or express anything to them?
2: No, nope, but when I saw the needle, yeah, I said, don't do it. It will hurt. You warned him? He them. said, no, it shouldn't hurt. Uh huh. And the, when it did hurt, he was amazed, and he stopped
3: doing it. So did they stop, or did they also do something to take care of the pain as well, I understand? Well,
2: he thought of uh, rubbed, uh put his hand back and forth in front of my eyes huh. and that
3: stopped the pain so not only did they pull up even after they pulled the needle out it still was very painful he waved his hand in front of your eyes a few times and all the pain went away Right. and what feeling did you have after they had done this intrusive procedure even though they stopped when you uh, expressed pain well at that point my
2: exam was over with
3: uh-huh. and the
2: examiner went into the next room to uh, give Barney his exam.
3: Okay. And
2: now this, with Barney, the first part was the same as mine. Okay. The eyes, ears, nose, throat, skin, hair, fingernails. And then they rolled him over on his stomach, and he, they seem to be mostly interested in his bone structure. Oh,
3: hmm. Interesting.
2: Yep. So, and now the examiner is in with Barney, and I'm beginning to feel like I'm gonna be out of there soon okay. and I'm relaxed and I said to the leader I need something to take home with me to prove this has happened
3: <laughs> you're looking for that ashtray off the UFO aren't you <laughs> or that matchbook cover something huh <laughs> and actually there was a book oh what did this book look like I find this fascinating so, he said I could have the book. He was going to give you a book off this craft? Right.
2: And now, so I'm standing there oh, I'm by the cabinet and I'm looking briefly
3: through the book, looking for pictures. Yeah. Because then then, I, I did see the printing. Now, what did the printing look like? Does it look like anything you have ever seen from any culture or time? Yep, Oriental. It looked Oriental. Why? Was it left Uh, to right? Well,
2: because, well, it was a much simpler script than Japanese. Okay. Or Chinese. But it went up and down in columns instead of across. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then uh, I'm looking at the book, and the examiner comes running back into the room where I am, opens my mouth, and starts tugging at my teeth
3: hugging at him, pulling at your teeth gently, huh? Yep. And, and so I said,
2: you know, I said, what's wrong? Yeah. And the leader said, we're puzzled. Barney's teeth come, are removable and yours are not. Why? <laughs> <laughs> now, why is that? <laughs> Actually, we'll want to. Barney got hit having a hand grenade or something, and they knocked all his teeth out.
3: So Barney had dentures and, and he had dentures. They figured everybody's teeth came out as a full set and were removable. Yeah, That's adorable.
2: Why his teeth came
3: out and mine did not. So did they ask you did you try to explain what that was about? Yes. Did they understand? Uh, I'm not really sure if they did. Now what what does it take? How did you describe how did you try to explain the dentures?
2: I said that well Barney's had been as a result of an accident. But as we get older, then uh... many of us we lose our teeth, you know. And uh, what, and what we have to that? have them extracted, right? And then this led into a, well, eat. What do you eat?
3: Well, he said, "What is age,
2: right?" Yep. He was asking me what's age, and I'm saying this many years we live, and what's diet. And I'm trying to explain about foods. That that affects... and that not
3: understanding me yeah you were trying to explain that you know sometimes as people get older they lose their teeth and then they and as they age and he says what's age and you're trying to explain how different things affect how long a pe- person lives right. such as the diet they eat and then you're trying to explain food and this conversation just kind of fell apart because no, I tried, well i said i'll tell you about squash cause so that's your favorite food uh, yeah
2: and then i said the first thing i said it's yellow and he said, what's yellow? So he didn't, uh, he spoke English, but in a limited
3: way. Okay. Yeah. So, so that conversation you were working on, it was difficult. Now, um, he also showed you something fascinating, and this is one of the most compelling components of your case. Well, I
2: said to him, I know you're not from this planet.
3: Where are you from? And this is when he showed me the star map. He showed you a star map. Right. And we have drawings of your star map. You drew it later after the event.
2: Yep, and he said the broken lines were expeditions. Places they'd been once or twice.
3: Okay. And then the
2: other lines, the solid lines, were places they went frequently or all the time. Oh, my. And, of course, later I sketched the star map. Now,
3: (laughs) was Earth on this map? Yes. It
2: was? We, we were a spot
3: where they go frequently. Oh. Now, the, let's, let's take a minute to say, did, when you drew the map originally, after this event, did anybody recognize that system? Not at first. Now, how long did it take before people recognized that star system? Well,
2: most of the research was done by a woman by the name of Marjorie Fish. And uh, she worked at Oakridge at the nuclear I don't know, nuclear, they do something nuclear. Facility? Oh, okay. it's a nuclear facility. Okay. And she was a scientist, and she was curious about the star map to see if it really existed. And she took boxes and put strings down, and she started out putting us in our solar system in the middle and working out and getting rid of all the stars that we think. Could not possibly have life. Okay. And when she
3: got through, that was my star map. <gasps> almost completed. You mean she did that independently of looking at your map? Yep. Oh, for heaven's sake! So in her but mind, she
2: had to get acquainted with every star. So she, in, in her, na- her neighborhood.
3: That is fascinating, and it was the same, almost the same map as yours. But what, but what she, year she was, was that?
2: Well, she she didn't complete the research until 1970.
3: Okay, it was many because years.
2: I had two stars on the map, and I was had "Not
3: found them yet." When did they find those other stars that? Nineteen seventy. Nineteen seventy. So in nineteen sixty-one. So I had two map two stars, two
2: stars on the map, that we had not found yet. Oh my! For and nine And in nineteen seventy, we found them.
3: Oh, fantastic evidence! I absolutely love that.
2: And not only that, that pattern of stars can be seen only south of mexico city so it wasn't anything i looked up and saw in the sky
3: fascinating oh betty this is just one of the most exciting aspects of this case now do you need to take a quick break yes i should you should okay so we're going to stay on the air absolutely and you come back as soon as you're done and uh, we'll continue from where we left off at towards the end of your exam and you're just got through looking at the star map and we'll pick up from there when you get back, okay? Okay,
2: I'll be right back. All Thank right.
3: You. I'm back. She's back. Yes. Hi, Betty. Thank you. Good. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I want to hear more. Okay. Can we pick up right where we left off? You're on the craft. You've just been shown the star map. You're mm-hmm. done with your physical exam and you're holding this book does it yep. have pages like we have in normal books with a thick cover and normal paper feeling pages it was a very similar to
2: an encyclopedia So only the pages were very very smooth and stiff
3: okay yep. now what color were the pages in the ink or the writing on it white
2: with black print
3: same as our books yep. okay yep. have you ever? A- Ever written down any of the letters or words or symbols that you saw in that book? Oh I did years ago. Oh, and, I was... uh I I'm
2: very involved in archaeology. And anytime I see any ancient writings I check it out. Um no success. No success. Have no. you
3: shown it to other linguists? Oh yeah.
2: Several people have worked on it.
3: And has anybody ever said it looks somewhat like this or has anybody Nope. Yet-
2: Totally looking.
3: Very interesting. Yep. Okay. So now you're holding this book.
2: Yep. And I'm ready to. The, the, after I saw the star map at all, yeah. they brought the. They're bringing by me out of the room. And how does he? And he's now? leaving the craft. So I pick up the book, and I start to go out behind him, when the crew members start yelling. Now, they
3: have that, it's my having the book. Now did they make actual sounds? Oh yeah. What well, they kind were of... mad.
2: You could what... tell from the tone of voice they were furious.
3: Were they using words or Well, I couldn't
2: understand what they were. Th- they had a language of their own.
3: I know in the book it was described as like mm, like uh, humming almost, but Almost like a humming sound. Almost yeah. like a humming. Okay. Yep.
2: So anyway, they all so the leader took the book back.
3: Oh. What did he say or what did you say? Oh, I became
2: angry at first. Yeah. And then he said he would walk part of the way back to the car with me.
3: And he said, I have to take the book back because yep. the crew he members said, don't want you to remember or have. Right. Don't he th- said,
2: I have no objections to you having your book, the book, but they do.
3: So it's obviously a community agreement yep. concept among them, even yep. though he's the leader. So by, that leading
2: by me And then I leave the craft, and the leader starts walking with me, and he gets almost up to the car, and he stops, and he's going to leave. And I said to him, this has been the greatest experience of my life. I have been honored to meet you. I have many friends who would like to meet you. Will you please come back? And he said, I don't know. It's not my decision to make. So even... So I said, well, if you decide to come back, how will I know this? And he said, you will know somehow. And with that, oh, and then he said, "Uh, stay by the car, and you'll be far enough away from the craft, that you you won't be in any any danger when we leave. Oh, interesting. So so I went into the car. And Barney's sitting in the car, and they say, come on, get out, watch him leave. And I picked up the dog, my dog Gelsie, a a dachshund. Uh Uh-huh. And we're standing there, we were watching the craft leave. It becomes surrounded with this red, fiery substance. It looks almost like fire, but it's not. Wow. It out of it, and it dips up. And I'm saying to the dog, Gelsie, look at this. You may be the only dog in the world to see this. <laughs> and she's scared to death. She's got her head oh. tucked under my arm.
3: Oh. She won't look. Oh.
2: So we go in the car and we go home.
3: Oh. So the whole time you and Barney were on the craft, Delsey, your Dotson, was in cowering the and staying put in the car without you, scared. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you watched so even though you had been you know against your will both you and Barney dragged out of your car given a physical exam underwent some degree of physical pain you still felt honored to have met them and were hoping to have a future encounter that when when was I, all I didn't come back
0: After the hypnosis sessions Simon speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams Simon thought it was the most reasonable and consistent explanation. Barney rejected this idea, noting that while their memories were consistent in some regards, there were also portions of both their narratives that were unique to each. Barney was now ready to accept they had been abducted by the occupants of a UFO, though he never embraced it as fully as Betty did.
1: Okay, I don't like I just knew they were just going to like completely just disregard what she said. It was kind of like screw it. Yeah. I just for some reason I just so, felt like that. when would you happen. listen
0: to uh, when you listen to her report, it's not the hypno- it's not like her it's her telling the story years years later and so you get a much you get a different sense of it then. Though the hills and Simon disagreed about the nature of the case, they all concurred that the hypnosis sessions were effective. The hills were no longer tormented by anxiety about their experience. Afterwards, Simon wrote an article about the Hills for the journal Psychiatric Opinion, explaining his conclusions that the case was a singular psychological aberration. Later in life, Betty claimed to have seen UFOs a number of times after the initial abduction, and she became a celebrity in the UFO community. As late as 1977, Betty Hill would go on UFO vigils at least three times a week. During one evening, she was joined by UFO enthusiast John Oswald. When asked about Betty's continuing UFO observations, Oswald stated, quote, she is not really seeing UFOs, but she is calling them that, End quote. On the night they went out together, he said, Mrs. Hill was unable to distinguish between a landed UFO and a streetlight. In a later interview, Schaefer recounts that Betty Hill writes, UFOs are a new science, and our science cannot explain them. Psychiatrists later suggested that the supposed abduction was a hallucination brought on by the stress of being an interracial couple in the early 1960s United States. Betty discounted the suggestion, noting her relationship with Barney was happy and their interracial marriage caused no notable problems with their friends or family. So, when you first said that she said
1: that she had become a celebrity in the UFO community, I thought like she literally was a celebrity to the UFOs. Oh no. <laughs> Like, I thought they were like, Yo, we love Betty, it's Betty. Yeah, we, hey, Betty's, hey, I like Betty. She's cool. I thought it was that. No. So they they said it, like, they're trying to say that it was like, she was in an interracial marriage, so that stressed Well, there's
0: out. also a speculation that maybe they, when they, you know, they pulled off the road and they saw, like, the men that turned out to be aliens. Yeah. That potentially they were even attacked. And then they made up this story because it was more comfortable for them to deal with.
1: That, okay, that makes no sense. No, you don't think so? Because, yeah, because it was the the 60s. Like, why not just say, some white folks attacked us? That was the perfect time to say white folks attacked. Because they
0: were attacking everyone. Yeah, but it was prior to, like, MLK. Maybe the cops in the area would be like, mm, we don't give a fuck.
1: Even if, then prior, then as soon as
0: it got out of the 60s, it would be like, hey, it was some white folks. Well, I think it's more of a, like a, um an internal psychological issue where they created this fiction then potentially so that way they didn't have to deal with the fact that they were abused.
1: And also MLK was running around. He was alive. So he'd have been like, look, some honkies jumped us.
0: Yeah, maybe, but I, I think you're thinking like they they, they, they could have gotten like a uh, retribution and maybe they could have, but I think it's not even about that. If that's the, if that's the case, I think it's more about the fact that they, this is our defense mechanism.
1: Okay. It's easier right. to say
0: aliens have come and captured us, and I exp- we had a wonderful night with them, than to admit that you've been assaulted.
1: That that these crackers especially, put our, especially hands if, on if us.
0: there's like some threads maybe connected that were actual pieces of the UFO thing. If you think about like potentially, you could read into Barney's case as sexual assault.
1: Oh, yeah, ooh. If
0: that's the case, that's speculation, that's all speculation. They denied this heavily.
1: All right, I'd rather it be the leader, because the leader's a nice guy.
0: But to, uh, to wrap up their lives, Barney died of a cerebral hemorrhage on February 25th, 1969, at age 46. Betty Hill died of cancer on October 17th, 2004, at age 85, never having remarried.
1: Would you get remarried after you got attacked by, or uh, taken by aliens?
0: Uh, Maybe. You'd have to find someone that really loved Sorry. aliens too, I guess.
1: Sorry, that's more of a Caroline question, yeah. I guess. Because you would have died. <laughs> and she definitely would. I mean, come on. What are you worth?
0: <laughs> I guess not much. Here's Here's the thing. So if you choose to believe that this is all true... They were abducted by aliens. The one thing that throws me off is the fact that the guy said Oswald said that. Well, first of all, that she claimed to have seen them multiple times throughout her life after this experience. That that throws me off. Makes me go okay. And then the fact that Oswald says that she was not even able to distinguish a UFO and a streetlight. So she, I don't know how late in her life this is, but uh, that seems to be. A pretty big difference.
1: Yeah, the only reason that I thought you said that she became a, C, a celebrity in UFO community because that's why I was like, well of course yeah they would come back and see her if she's a celebrity for them. <laughs> <laughs> like myself mentally was like, yeah, okay. I It'd can be see weird that. if we knew yeah.
0: that what who the aliens thought of as celebrities.
1: <laughs> like, okay, I okay. I can see I can see both things. I can see them lying, but then I can also see I guess there'd be aliens, because I do believe in aliens, I just don't think that they're this far advanced enough, like, we always write it as like, okay, maybe they can fly, that's one thing, but when we're like, and then they mentally telepath themselves to And they can
0: heal our wounds instantly.
1: Yeah, like, I'm like, come on, my So, actually, on, so, dog.
0: Betty is a is a UFO celebrity to the aliens, and then you know who the other one is? is It's Tom Cruise. Because oh, of Scientology. It's all real. Yeah,
1: exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or uh, John Travolta. Oh yeah, there you go. They're like, they're like, yeah, we we banged with those guys because they believe in us. The rest of you dirtbags. They're,
0: they're actually swinging through New Hampshire, and they were like, "Oh shit, let's see what's going on here." We uh, we got to stop over uh, in Cali and talk to Tom Cruise.
1: Yeah. They're like, we had
0: to go, you know, bring him to the next level of ascension within the Scientology Church.
1: Exactly. Or they kind of just went. Ah,
0: Tom Cruise. So, what do you think of their story? And what do you think seems plausible? And what do you think, if you don't believe it, what do you think is the poke some holes in it?
1: All right. Uh, so, for the first guy, I just think he's lying about getting the nut off like that. You're just, talking about Antonio. Yeah. Okay. That whole thing kind of has me feeling the wrong way. But for them, for the couple. I guess the things that I wouldn't believe are the, the fact that one, that she was able to like, they were going to give her a book, but then they were like, oh, I'm like, no, give us give us that book back. Ah!" Like, I don't believe that. That makes no sense as to why would they even offer her a book if anything, and they're just coming to examine her. And that the, the fact that if they're really coming to examine someone, that no one would just, like, they wouldn't take them to further examine them. They just stopped there. They're like, oh, let's scrape some of your knees, do that, let's do that. All right, see ya.
0: Well, they're trying to get, do I guess, a mental examination as well. They're like, let's find out what you know. Because they, at one point, um, you'll, you'll have to listen to this later on. At one point, they uh, they asked her what she knew about space and where she was, and she didn't really know anything, and they were kind of disappointed by that.
1: They are like, oh, we thought we could relate. And it's like, it just sounds so... I don't know. It just just sounds weird, the whole thing.
0: I, I... If it's not aliens, what do you think the truth is? That they just made it up?
1: Honestly, if it's not aliens, I can see them getting either, like, assaulted, like, attacked, or just as a way to just bring more light to them as a couple as a whole. Yeah, maybe. Because if you take, like, look back then, like, aliens were huge and then added to the fact that they're an interracial couple like holy shit that would even even without the aliens being involved that would just spark discussions that weren't had back then yet
0: i mean we have the reports like we said of the that the, the air force base did see something yeah but it's possible that then they saw this thing and then said it was an, a ufo and then made up this entire experience around it for that very reason of it's gonna catch you know, it's gonna really catch and be famous. Yeah,
1: like if they could have saw something wild, like you know, like them testing something or something like that, and that's why they left it classified. I don't know. Like I, like I said though, I do believe aliens are real, but they just probably don't either want to meet us or like they're like how we are, like how we haven't got to that point where we can meet them yeah. yet.
0: But it's yeah. very true. The universe is very big. It's hard to believe that there's not life out there.
1: Yeah, because it's like we have some ex- extremely smart people on Earth that have looked into like science as like space as a whole. And you tell me, one of them like like aliens are so that much smarter than us that we haven't at all like had someone catch up to that.
0: All right. Well, that is about it for this episode of Conspiracy Club. Do you have any other comments you want to add? About these abductions?
1: Nah, man. They were interesting. And I like how they've impacted the world even till today.
0: Alright, yeah. The Betty and Barney Hill case is the most famous case of alleged alien abduction to date. Yeah. And it was also like the first real big one. Mm hmm. But if you liked this episode, then you can join the club by following us on Instagram and Twitter at Tom and Demir, and by liking our Facebook page which is at facebook.com slash conspiracy club. We also like to post links to the episodes there as well as as well as, uh, relevant information to the episode, pictures, articles, just general true crime stuff in general as well, or, you know, weird stuff from the world. So go follow us there, and uh, also rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you listen. It helps us out a lot. It really does. Give it a listen. You want some yeah a closing statement for me?
1: Well, like I like Tom said, you know. Well, actually,
0: hold on. Do you have? Bitch. You don't know what you're gonna li- you what we're gonna do next week, right?
1: Uh not at all.
0: All right, so that's a mystery then. Now you can give your closing statements.
1: Well, like Tom said. Join the club, and like I always say. Damn, Antonio and Barney got food, and it was a good time. Well, for one of them, the other one, not really. Keep y'all keep your butts clenched, and have a great day. Love you all.